So I'm excited to be able to share uh, today a lot of things. And I really want to focus on the answers that you've been looking for when you're struggling with chronic health. That's what I see every single day in my practice are people who've been to multiple practitioners, multiple doctors. Often we're sixth or seventh on the list because people think, what could my tooth health, my teeth health, my mouth health have to do with what I'm struggling with? And that's what I'm going to share with you today. My goal is to make it very simple, to make it actionable so you know what to do when you go home and you're 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 at home and you're thinking every single day, what can I do to improve my health? But also what should I go and find out more about? And that's what I'm going to share today. So I'd like to start, first of all, by talking a little bit about how I got to where I'm at. Um, I do want to introduce this concept of, you know, living well, and this is really my platform now is helping people live well in many, many ways. But let me tell you how I got there. I am a general dentist and I was raised in a dental family. My father is a dentist. He's still practicing in, in his seventies and he's literally had two sick days in his entire career. So that's how I thought it went, that you practice dentistry, you love what you do, you just keep doing it for forever but that's not how it went for me. <laughs> I, about 10 years in, started to get very, very sick. And like most of you may be listening to this, health concerns are something you think, well, let's find some answers for. So I started going to doctors. I started getting tests. I started getting uh, MRIs and scopes and all of the things that you do. And I ran into a whole lot of no answers, no answers, no explanation. Some of my concerns were my gut health. So I had really a lot of gut issues and I had them starting clear back in my teen years. I just thought this was something that I was going to have to suffer with. So I was going through a lot of changes with my diet, with supplementation, all the things that I know all of you have done as well. Started working on all of that and it changed some, it helped some, but it didn't help a lot. So that was the first thing that really was a wake up call. The second was my memory. I've always had a really good memory. I can always remember whatever I read. It usually just sticks. And it got to the point where I couldn't remember a patient's name from one room to the next. And so I knew something drastic had changed. The third thing that had showed up was numbness. I had so much numbness in my hands, particularly my right hand, that I couldn't hold a dental instrument very well anymore. I was waking up all night long with numbness. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't blow dry my hair. I couldn't brush my teeth. I couldn't do anything where I would raise my arms. And so, of course, everyone always says, oh, that's carpal tunnel. Oh, that's what's called thoracic outlet syndrome, something up here in the neck. So I did all the scans. I went to all the orthopedists. I went to all the doctors. And they all said, no, this really doesn't explain everything that you have going on. So I couldn't really practice. My hands were numb. I couldn't remember anything. And I had my practice for sale. And this was a real scary time for us because I, my husband also works in the practice. This is our livelihood. I was in my mid thirties. We had, you know, four young children and I didn't know what I was going to do. I started looking around to try to find what else could I do with the skills, the things that I already have. And I started looking at coaching and consulting inside of dentistry and different things. And in that search, I found a practitioner. I was explaining what I was struggling with. And he said, you know, you sound a lot like me. Have you ever looked into mercury poisoning? And I just kind of laughed. I said, well, no, I, I don't have any, you know, silver fillings. In dental school, I'd been told, we'd been taught, we had dental materials classes, and I'd been taught that there were, that there was mercury in these, we call, um, we call them amalgam fillings. People often call them silver fillings. 
those metallic fillings, I had learned that there was mercury in those fillings. But in school, pretty much the whole dental school talk about mercury is, yes, there's mercury in those fillings. However, once it amalgamates or combines with the other metals, it becomes stable. It's stable. It's inert. It's not a problem for you. It's not a problem for the patient you put it in. You don't have to worry about it at all. And if you tell somebody that their health could be impacted by these fillings, you're going to lose your license. So that's the entire mercury talk that I got <laughs> in dental school was pretty much that. So I just laughed at him and I said, no, you know, I don't, I don't have any of those fillings. And he said, oh, it's not the fillings you have. It's the fillings that you've been drilling out for the last decade with no protection. Now I had really kind of come into this place of being a cosmetic dentist. I really like making things beautiful and I'm very artistic and cosmetic dentistry was right up my alley. When people want cosmetic dentistry, they don't like the look of metal fillings. So I was drilling out metal fillings all day long, every day, because I was helping people to have a beautiful smile. And in their mind, that wasn't part of it. I was drilling these out, their heads literally right here, my head's right here. All of the vapors that I was releasing while drilling out these fillings was coming right into my head. And as I started researching mercury, what I learned was mercury is a neurotoxin. I knew this. Mercury is a neurotoxin, but it's going to affect the neurology. Well, think about some of my symptoms. I had numbness. I had memory problems. And I've since also learned that mercury interferes with gut function. So all of the symptoms all of a sudden made sense. I got tested and that's what it was. Mercury toxicity off the charts. I was shocked. Again, I hadn't even considered that this could be a problem. No one had ever told me that as a dentist, this was a risk of my profession. No one ever told us that. Ever, No one ever talks about that. Still, to this day, no one talks about that in dentistry. And I was a little frustrated, but I was also concerned. I thought, well, I would like to continue in my career if I can. And the doctor said, there's no way to do this unless you're able to get the mercury out. You have to get it out. And if you continue to put it in as rapidly as you're getting it out, then you're never going to get better. So I had to start doing some research and I'm all about finding answers. That's just kind of my personality. If I have something that I can't answer, I'm just going to look and research until I do. And I started researching and I found an organization in dentistry that I had never heard of, didn't even know they existed, that actually had an entire protocol for how to remove mercury filling safely for both the patient and the practitioner. So I enrolled in the course, I learned how to do it, I bought the equipment, and I started doing that kind of removal in my practice. What does it look like? Well, there's a lot of barriers, meaning we cover the patient, we cover the face, we cover the body, we use something over the nose, we use a great big vacuum at the, at the base of the chin, just to try to get all those vapors dealt with before they get into the patient or the person that's working on the patient. So I started doing all of these protocols and it was very obvious to my patients that I was doing something different. You know, this is not the norm. So they would start asking questions. Well, what are you doing? And why are you doing this? And so I would share my story. And they were always glad that I was doing it because if it was going to be beneficial for me, it was going to be beneficial for them. Obviously, all of those mercury vapors and mercury chunks and everything else that we were releasing during that appointment, they were going into them as much as they were me. 
I was just getting the toxic load because I was getting everybody's fillings, not just one person's fillings, but it was very beneficial for the patient as well, obviously. So they started sharing what we were doing with their doctors and their doctors started reaching out saying, hey, we've been looking for someone who does this kind of removal. Interesting. You know, tell us more about it. And then we started working with doctors and then they started asking questions like, wow, I've heard that. There could be infection in dentistry, hidden infection. Do you know anything about this? Oh, and have you learned about ozone? Do you use ozone in your practice? Or, you know, we, we've heard a lot about stem cells and stem cells and dental, dental surgery. Do you do that? I didn't know what they were talking about, like at all. I didn't have a clue what they were talking about because dentistry doesn't talk about this kind of thing. The, the medical doctors, the chiropractors, they know about it, but dentists don't. So I would have to go find classes wherever I could find them. And it wasn't like you just go and enroll in a school and they teach you all of these things. That's not the way it is. Even today, that's not the way it is. You have to go search out these methodologies and modalities, and you have to go to classes that no one has heard of before and find equipment that's not really very systematized yet for dentistry, incorporate it into your practice, create systems that no one's created before. It was really an uphill challenge, but it was something that I was passionate about. So we started incorporating these things the doctors were talking about. And all of a sudden, we started seeing changes in our patients. We were not only fixing teeth, but we were we were helping their health. We were improving long-term chronic health conditions. And then doctors started sending more patients, the patients they couldn't get better. And they said, I think that there's something in the mouth that's holding them back from really complete healing. So the practice started evolving and changing, not because I intentionally did it, but because there was a need. And as the need surfaced, we worked to fill it and to find answers for people. And that's really where my practice has gone. Now, the great thing about this is at home, I very much live this way. This picture is my me in my garden. I have a homestead. We do all farm-to-table eating, organic growing. Uh, we raise the large majority of our food. I am um, pioneering a, an enormous uh, gardening project, market gardening project with a, lo a local school to help bring this into the education system. Doing a lot at in my personal life. And all of a sudden I could bring that personal life into the practice. I could talk about the things that I'm passionate about at home, about nutrition and about our food sources and about the way that we feed our bodies and the way we care for ourselves. All of a sudden it integrated very perfectly with all the dental, the dental things that I was doing as well. And that really has catapulted the practice to a new place. And now at my dental practice, we are seeing patients from around the world and we are caring for them in a way that helps to upright what I, I like to think a lot about disease or illness as a, or our bodies as a bucket. And our bodies are amazing healing machines. But if the bucket gets too full of all of the things that you're learning about on this conference, if there's too many things stacked up in that bucket, the whole bucket tips. And that's where we get chronic disease. Now, we don't have to necessarily remove everything that's in the bucket. We're going to have stressors in our lives. We're going to have things that we struggle with. However, if we can remove enough of them, that bucket uprights and the body's able to then take care of it again. That's what we really do in our practice is we help remove enough that the buckets are able to upright. Is dentistry the only thing that is affecting chronic health? Well, of course not. And we would never say that, but it's oftentimes a big enough piece that it can upright the bucket. So those are the things I'm going to share today. Uh, like I said, this is my Living Well platform. If you go there, I share all kinds of things for free on Instagram, Facebook, and the website. It's all Living Well with Dr. Michelle, and um, I'll give some information at the end as well. All right. 
you've already heard my journey, but I want to share a little bit more even about that journey. Like I said, I was a general dentist practicing with my father. This picture on the top, I guess that's the left. The top left is my father and I, the day that I received, it's called a fellowship in the Academy of General Dentistry. And he got his mastership in the Academy of General Dentistry the same day. It was a very, a very cool experience for the two of us to do together. What that meant is that both of us are very committed to continuing education. Both of those require hundreds of hours of education beyond what we've learned in dental school. Well, I was very educated. My father is very educated in dentistry itself. Now, the top right picture is myself in uh, at a graduation ceremony. So this graduation ceremony was for a series of courses that I had that I have taken. The series of courses is a nine course series. So that means I spent three or nine three day weekends taking these courses. Each of these courses is $6,000 a piece. So you can start to do your math on the, just the cost of the courses alone. And then the time away from practice, the time away from family, the cost of travel, all of those things. So this is at least, at least $100,000 investment in my own education. Now I was at the last day of these nine classes. So anyone at the class on the last day of the ninth was very invested in their education and in their career, right? These are the dentists that are in it to be the best. I was sitting at the table at lunch with all of these other doctors who are as invested as I am in this education endeavor. And they started telling a story. One of the doctors started telling a story about a dentist in his building who wears, in his terms, a hazmat suit when he removes mercury fillings. Everybody at the table started to laugh. Now, this was after I had already gone through my own Mercury journey and after I was providing the exact care that they were making fun of. These are educated dentists. These are the top in the profession. And they didn't know anything about what I had just gone through and about the dangers of their own profession for themselves and patients. So I debated in my mind. I thought, do I say something? Do I not? Do I say something? Do I not? But I always say something. So, you know, I... I just kind of waited for a pause and the laughter. And then I said, can I share my story with you? And I shared the story that I just shared with you. They were all very embarrassed. And I said, no, no, that's, that's not the reason that I shared the story. I shared the story because I want you to know that there is a danger for you in your practice. And there's a danger for your patients in your practice. And I want you to know that it's real. So when this practitioner is using this hazmat suit, he's doing it because he wants to care for his patients better. And again, they were very embarrassed about the fact that they had been laughing about this. But I said, my intent is just to help you understand. <laughs>